You're the first person to beat me into the room. That is awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm waiting for a while. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> I'm normally like, come on, like, press your button. Yeah. It was like, he's in the room. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was this on silent. How are you doing, man? Thank you so much for sitting down to do this. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's, uh, it actually worked out on a good day. It's uh, like, obviously, it's like a lot of media and stuff that, that we got going on today. So, so from my side, I'm actually not in, involved in it at all. So um, it, it, it's actually a perfect day for it. So it's good. Awesome. And uh, yeah, this is really, so these things kind of, I don't know if Alex, when he had reached out and put us together, kind of explained how these came about of more so than just talking to athletes or people in cycling and being like, hey, tell me about how amazing you are. We really started this small coaching company based off of a couple blogs. I had somebody that was talking about their chronic training load and they were getting ready for a race and it was going down. So now they're like losing fitness. So I'm like, hey, let's, <laughs> you know, I want to like put out some content and everything that we try to post is like, how can this be applied to mostly amateurs that are watching this? Um, there's just so much information out there now. And I think it's gonna be really interesting just to hear um, kind of how you you see a whole different side of the sport, um, but you've obviously interacted with a ton of amateurs, and yep. just being able to share some of the knowledge um, will be extremely beneficial for a ton of people. So, cool. thank Sorry. you. That's no, all good. Turn on a light here a bit. There we go. Um, so I guess first off, you can introduce yourself to everybody, and uh, I usually like to let people do the intro as opposed to me picking what. How I should describe them. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I don't really have much of an intro, to be honest. Uh, John Wakefield, 43 years old, uh, originally from Cape Town, South Africa, currently live in uh, Girona, Spain, uh, where our South African company, we've actually just opened up a uh, testing and biomechanics laboratory, same to what we have in South Africa. Um, and uh, yeah, I work for a company. Uh, when I say work, it's four of us are, are shareholders uh, for a high performance uh, cycling and triathlon, mountain bike testing, coaching. Uh, we do a lot of research, biomechanics um, within the company. Um, four of us are directors. We have another, I think, seven associate coaches. Um, on our books in general, I uh, you're looking at about just on 300 athletes uh, across the board for all of us, um, sort of spread out to kind of a little bit around the world. And additionally to that, um, I work as a coach, performance coordinator, and, and Moonlight as an assisting sporting director for UAE Team Emirates. Awesome. So, yeah. well, that was actually me. One of my first questions was if you were still currently involved with amateurs. So, definitely, it sounds yeah, like you guys definitely. Have a, awesome. What's how's what's your background in cycling? How did you find the bicycle? Um, I raced motocross since I was a kid, um, and I had two years of of pretty bad injuries. And um, part of my rehabilitation process, when I broke my back and, and broke a leg, I I couldn't run. So the gentleman that was doing my rehab, um, who I absolutely hated, but he was very good at his job. Uh, he was an ex-Olympic um, cyclist. Um, and he said to me, hey, you know, like, let's get, get you onto a bicycle and, and we can start, you know, kind of accelerating your, your rehabilitation. Um, and it just bit. That was it. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, that awesome. sucks. I was really bad, but uh, the, the uh, bug had bit. And, and that's kind of where it progressed from there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Did, did you fall? So was it through the rehab? Did you kind of fall in love with the training side of cycling before? Like sometimes, you know, you hear people that have just been riding all the time and then they're like, oh, I want to go do these bike races. So I have to train. Do you feel like maybe you fell in love with the training side first? Cause it was more like do these to be able to get your body back yeah. to functioning. Yeah. Like even when I, when I raced motocross, like I enjoyed Monday to Friday a lot better than actually going to the races, believe it or not. Like I, I enjoyed practice. I enjoyed training. I enjoyed that whole element of it where the racing was good. Don't get me wrong, but like, I really enjoyed that side of it. Um, and then when I, like I was pretty beat up after some serious accidents um, and just seeing how, what this guy had done with me to, to, to get me back to where, where I needed to be. I, I felt kind of completely in love with the whole kind of training aspect. Um, and actually, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to kind of be him. Um, although, I, as I said, I, I really despised him during our, our three years of rehab. But um, yeah, that's like, essentially, that's what I wanted. I, I wanted to do what, what he did. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I landed up a little bit where I am now. That's cool. I always tell people I'm more cyclist than bike racer. Like if I couldn't, I had an injury to my foot at one point, it's a broken sesamoid bone. And the guy was, yeah. I was talking to him. I'm like, listen, man, I don't care if I can never go to a race again. I'll be really crushed. If I, I could ride like 90 minutes and then it was just brutally horrible pain. I'd be on the side of the road. I'm like, if I can only ride 90 minutes, like I'm going to be, I'm going to be disappointed. Like, you know, mm -hmm. life happens, but anyways, I'm sure. glad that that worked itself out. Um, yeah. What, so kind of jumping into some things, one of the biggest questions that a lot of people, it comes up in like chatting amongst athletes and we read these articles and stuff. When you have pros that they're riding a ton and you have, you're coming in and I had listened to another interview that you did like before you got the job, um, I think with UAE and, you know, you got to go, you're talking to these world tour riders. How is it, how involved are they in their training calendar? And like, what what type of value add do you try to bring to the table? I'm sure it varies athlete to athlete. Um, how does that relationship sort of unfold? Um, like I, I find that it's kind of two ways. They either fully accept you and, and they follow your process or they, well, I've been a pro for a hundred years. I know what works, mm -hmm. you know, like that's sort of the like kind of two ends of the scale of, of what I got. Um, with someone that's sort of a little bit on on that defensive side i try slowly introduce stuff so i'll be like okay we can follow your your plan but we're going to start adding in one or two new things like you know blah blah mm -hmm. blah mm -hmm. and eventually you know touch wood that that it's worked they've kind of over time seen the light and they have made changes and, and they trust you essentially um you know, where the other guys have trusted you kind of fully, it's their job, they're super professional at what they do. And you, pres but you know, you, you also find out from them what works, you know, mm -hmm. you send them like, what do you like? What are your go-to sessions? What do you like in a taper? And you build that in with what you want and you sort of transition over. Um, it was a bit daunting at first uh, when I came over, it was more because you know, you, you're from South Africa. It's like, and, and everyone tells you, it's like, what do you know about pro cycling? You know, like uh, overseas is going on an hour boat trip to Robben Island. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, 
it, it, it is a bit daunting. Um, but f for me personally, I must say that, that my transition was really good and, and uh, that sort of trust was there and guys saw results. So, so from my side, touch wood, it, it, it was good. Um, but awesome. it, it's not always the easiest, put it that way. Like I've, I've had some difficult riders, don't, don't get me wrong, like some yeah. super, super difficult ones. And um, yeah, it's just sort of like a, a process of like nurturing them, if you want to call it that. Yeah. What do you think are, are, were there any trends from like, I don't know if we call it like the old regime, like the guys that have just been doing more old school stuff that you're like, wow, I see like everyone is into this. Maybe it was just big hours and only a couple of days intensity or only do endurance over these three months. Was there any like strands that you kept seeing over and over or was everybody kind of on their own thing? Like, this is what I do. This is what I believe in. Just I'm good. Um like you would find that uh, what, what I found is that the Italians f followed a, a very similar suit in terms of their training and their methodology, if, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, you know, like maybe little bits and pieces here, but, but in general, that, that mold was, was very similar, even when you look at the coaches and stuff. So, you know, is it wrong? No, there's some phenomenally Italian cyclists, um, but it is from that old school regime, you know, in, in terms of what they did and, and how they did it. So it's not by any means wrong. It was just a very certain kind of methodology that, 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 that was um, used, ingrained, if you want to call it that. Can you, um, what are some details to that? Like, what is that? Um, big hours. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's like one of them was huge, huge hours. 30, uh, 30 plus. Yeah. 30 hour weeks. Um, wow. you know, it's, it's big hours. Um, you know, yeah. in, in today's times it's, it's huge hours that no one does that really. Um, you know, so there was that and they kind of had a lot of like medium intensity stuff, which was, which was interesting to me. Um, you know, they, they would kind of either have sort of like, you know, like a mid sort of tempo zone. And then they would have like 40 twenties, you know, so it would mm -hmm. kind of, it, it was very different. Um, it was interesting to me because I did learn one or two things looking at it that I'd put into my own personal arsenal of stuff. But, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, it was just interesting in terms of what, of, of how things were done. That's super interesting. And actually, I don't know if you know the name Stephen Bassett. He races in the U.S. for Rally Pro Cycling. He's yes. actually from Tennessee. So we've crossed paths. That exact workout was one of his favorites. And it's the tempo riding, which, you know, a couple years ago, everyone's like, tempo is no man's land. It doesn't do anything. A yeah. lot of riders are talking, the guys that are going to Europe from the state saying it's a lot of tempo. And then Stephen actually said, I'm doing 4020s, 2020s, et cetera. Um, really surprised me. And I'm not a huge like Tabata type guy because it never seemed, uh, it's not necessarily as applicable to my own personal training, but I never felt like I got as much out of the sessions as opposed to like classic VO2 max. Like if I'm going hard, I wanted sustained longer efforts. And it was, he really more attributed to the style of racing in Europe. Um, but it is more surprising that a lot of guys are focusing on this type of riding where they're accomplishing the work, putting out the kilojoules and like, dude, I can do low threshold if you want to call it sweet spot for hours on end and then do some really hard efforts. And that's kind of like this non exact interval, but that's their training. And I was, it's surprising to hear that come back up from you. Um, yeah. Like a lot of it, if you look at it where, where there is a little bit of, of a, a crossover point or, or a skewed conception is the difference between 
like tempo, which is sort of that like uh, if you have five zones or whatever, like like a mid high zone three, mm-hmm. um, you know, where which is almost like a lactate steady state. Mm-hmm. But what where where that is missing, what we also do prescribe. Um, you know, in terms of, of, of a training zone, if you want to call it that, is more in your like my, mitochondria value. So it's sort of like a, a zone two ride, um, but obviously just being at, at, at a different level in terms of, of watts per kilo to your average guy on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you kind of, you know, essentially doing here um, is, is creating uh, like type, one uh, like you, you're creating uh, mitochondria. You are um, creating like type uh, fast twitch fibers or type one. You are you know creating a uh, where you're using fat as a fuel source um, and you are utilizing lactate. So you know that's where a lot of times it's sort of tempo is is misconstrued or confused i think is the right word with regards to that um you know so when 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 people say tempo like that's a bit higher than where you're trying to stimulate mitochondrial growth and function and improve your fat utilization so you know as as an athlete essentially you know athletic performance especially for endurance um is in, is improved for your performance is improved by fat utilization um where you mm-hmm. preserve glycogen utilization through throughout an entire competition or race so that's a little bit mis- confused a little bit with regards to um tempo uh, it's actually like a little bit lower than that so me if you were giving like a percentage you're saying that most people are looking at it as like up to 90 percent, and you're saying they should look at it a little bit lower like 80 yeah. percent ftp ish uh yeah for like if you want to like as an amateur um yeah. you know when i say amateur i'm talking because people like, are going to hear this and they're like wait how so what am i supposed to yeah, do yeah sure <laughs> no no 100 percent. so you know you essentially you you need to test for this and to to get the right values however okay as an amateur um and when i say amateur i mean like um you know age group is cat one cat two cat threes etc depending on where you are if you if your values are right you probably looking at around 78 to 83 percent of of threshold however the better you get the more that line will move so you know essentially it should come down lower Um, you know you may start if it's at i don't know three watts a kilo and you know like top level you'd be looking at sort of three and a half four around there so yeah it really depends on who you are um but it's not tempo but because of the way you train it it's people misconsume it as as tempo and it's true okay word. yeah, yeah. And, and and tempo is a word that i don't use like for me it's that gray area it's it's a pointless training zone personally so you don't what what zones do you do you have like i guess when you prescribe you're giving like specific wattage prescriptions or like do you not yeah. even speak in like the classic zones like endurance tempo threshold or you- uh, no no we do obviously so like you you do have that but um you know my 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 personal philosophy and, and the training model i use um you know it, it's either it's it's that uh like hard or easy to, so to speak um yeah. so um 
yeah, so from that side, like I've got your, I work off traditional five zones, uh, five being obviously anaerobic, four being threshold, three, it's there. <laughs> and yeah. then zone two being your, one and two is your recovery zone. And then sort of in between two and three is uh, sort of that like mitochondrial training zone, which okay. is what I explained. Awesome. What's, you brought up philosophy. What are a couple words to sort of describe how you coach? Um, and if you wanted to get into it, you know, you talked methodology. It's actually a question that I'm in like some forums and just trying to help people answer questions. And a couple of people have been like, what's your methodology? So I've been trying to put that together so I could easily just fit it back. Well, what do you think are some high points that as a coach sort of give off how you help people get faster? Um, sure. It's uh yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, I, I, um, <laughs> or we'll yeah. change it. We'll reframe frame yeah. the question as to like maybe. Okay. What, what are three like so? So what I've been coming up with for like the okay, what's a pillar? What are things that people can always look to and say if I if I focus on these, I will get better. And so I say consistency. I don't because you know there's hey I'm on a sweet spot plan. Hey no I'm polarized this week. Hey to, like whatever yeah. you do find what you're doing consistently train um you know vary up the stimulus things like that like what can what are some so maybe it's not coaching style or methodology what are some three overarching concepts you think athletes could focus on to improve um like so my, my methodology is essentially is your polarized training module um in in theory so for me if you want to get better, like, and whether, whether, as you said, whether it's a polarized, whether it's a threshold based or a tempo based, or whatever you want to call it is, you need to stick with it and do it. Um, a, a big problem I find with, with people is that they'll do, you know, they'll start off on, on a polarized model. And then before finishing like a proper mesocycle, they'll go to like a threshold one because they've read somewhere, oh, they need to improve your <laughs> FTP. Yeah. And then they'll be improving FTP and then they'll read, oh, like I need neuromuscular pathway. So they'll stop halfway on that before there's any adaptation and they'll try to locate and stuff. So, you know, like finish what you start regardless of, of the outcome. So whatever you're training. So if you're on a, on a threshold-based program, mm -hmm. you'll get the adaptation from that if you follow it and then go do something else, you know, mm -hmm. or do a proper periodized plan, but then follow like every mesocycle, go through, you know, like your, your base prep, your neuromuscular, your, your, your uh, preparation phase, etc. Don't go like all over because then you're just getting 30% of everything and you, and you, and you know, where. like that's, that, that, that's what I find. It's like a lot of times, like with, uh, with age groupers and, and amateurs is, which is great is that they, they super eager and they super excited to train, but they live on Google. And, and, right. and the problem with that is, is that they have five people telling them five different things and you just stagnate. Like you actually mm -hmm. go nowhere. Um, they try to do all of them. And yeah. And they try to do all of them and, and you go nowhere. It's like you, you putting in, if you want to, get 100% out, put 100% in, but they're putting in 30% of everything. So you're only getting 30% out and then they get upset when they don't improve. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the expectation is also that I'm going to improve everything over the next three months. So then it's like, you know, they see a little bump in VO2 max or FTP, and then they go do this neuromuscular blocks you're talking about. And they're like, wait, now my FTP is down. I'm like, well, you you can't, it's not all going up at the same time. This is like twisting dials and you got to balance. And like, then really just asking somebody, well, what is your goal? What do you, why are you trying to get faster? Cause you and Johnny down the street might be doing two totally different things. You shouldn't be like cross pollinating yeah. your plans of this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. Uh, like, 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 like a really good example is uh, I've, I've been coaching a guy for a, a, an amateur like, yeah, uh, or not yet, but, but back in South Africa, a really good guy, like great guy, great athlete, fully committed, but his, primarily he's he's a sprinter but he can get over sort of smaller rollers like five minute ten minute climbs and there was a tour coming up and he wanted to focus on his climbing and that's because he thought if he could get rid of the other climbers he'd get over and he could win the sprint against Mm -hmm. essentially climbers so that's like and i was like are you sure this is what you want to do yeah 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 that that's all you wanted to do so i'm like okay so we did that and it improved like he went from being spat out the back to like just just making it over but then on the flat stages like he got smashed in the sprint because we did lose a bit of the sprint and then he was Mm -hmm. all upset with me during the tour because he was like oh i can't sprint and i'm like but you are climbing these oaks on the climbing days this is what you wanted like you need to now win against the guys that can sprint out of the climbers and uh yeah we like had like a bit of fisty cuffs over it and yeah. then and then the next minute like he wanted to be a sprinter again and you because there was like a criterium series so then we focus on that and he was top five top 10 every race like really really good stuff but then he'd go right on the weekends and kind of get shelled on the climbs and then he was shouting at me because he can't climb anymore and i was just like but you need to pick one or one or the other that's it <laughs> Right. I had I had a guy that his top three goals he was gonna be state championship state champion in cyclocross the road race and crit and I'm like okay so those are three like you know there's some threads there it's all cycling but or, and then he's like and by the way I think in the winter I'm definitely hitting the track and I was like dude all right yeah that's we, need to, we need to get some focus here but it is I will say like especially in the U.S. racing where you know, you've, your gravel's huge here now, criteriums, yeah, people does. have this mindset that a crit is just sprinting. And I'm like, if you're yeah. sprinting out of every corner, you're in the bad part of the race, like Correct. even it out. And so don't, you know, someone asked me like, why do I care about FTP? I'm a, I'm a crit racer. And I'm like, this is okay. We need to have a deeper conversation about this. Like this is yeah, not, you're it. not just gonna be doing sprints all day or you definitely will never win. Um, yeah. What do you, so that's so, yeah, it's really interesting. How, what do you see as, is there any type of consistency then in when you're working with professionals, it's their job, they've done this for a really long time. And then your mindset of it's maybe more an education piece to amateurs. And obviously that amateurs, it's a huge pool of experience. Um, Is there anything that's like a really big similarity or a really big difference? from those two it's got to be tough to have both hats on i mean you're really yeah you have to juggle a lot yeah (laughs) the phone rings and you have the one face mask on the phone rings and you take it off you put the other one on that's Uh, yeah that Um, that actually kind of explains it right there (laughs) yeah um the the ones like with some of the um amateurs that i have if you want to take them being like 
CEOs of companies and, and top yeah. management and stuff, the way they approach their training is, it's kind of how they've approached work. So super professional at work, super professional on the bike, files are loaded, do the sessions, you get good feedback, pretty much the same as a pro, mm -hmm. to be honest. Like there's no real difference. They, they ask, you know, even today, like pros still ask the same questions. Why am I doing this? You know, et cetera. Maybe it's a little bit less because they understood it for so long. Mm -hmm. um, but where, where the biggest difference is, is, is not that sort of, it's just your, your, your average amateur, even if he is a talented rider, but just the one that isn't that CEO, man, like CFO type of, of mindset, um, getting them to kind of understand what you need them to do and why you need them to do it and what you need back from them in order to, to, to get, like you need 100% back so you can give them 100% back. And they, what I find is that, they don't see that, you know, they'll be like, they'll shout at you because they're tired or they had a bad session or they'll moan at you because, you know, oh, I only did like four of the five, 10 minutes or whatever. And they don't think logically where you go, okay, what is wrong today? And they're like, no, they, they're absolutely broken. And you're like, you know, the training's wrong or like, I can't hit numbers. Like I've lost fitness. You're like, well, two days ago, you did a phenomenal session. You don't lose fitness in two days. Like, okay. Uh, let's just start with the basics okay like this isn't bitcoin and then you try then what i do is you sit them down and you work backwards and you go okay so did you sleep last night did you fight with your wife like has she run off with the pool guy like are your kids naughty like you know are you not sleeping like work are there additional stresses and then when you start working that backwards and you help them understand that okay well two days ago, this happened. So the knock-on effect is today, you know? So that's why today wasn't great. We'll chill out tomorrow. And I promise you on Friday, you'll be good again. And nine out of 10 times you are, but mm -hmm. they seem to go into a huge panic mode and there's no logical thinking. It's like, oh, I'm useless. Like this is wrong. Everything's wrong. Like I'm never racing bikes again. And you just like, <laughs> we've had one bad day in yeah. the last month. You know, it's like, but when when they do well, the thing I find is that you never hear from them. You know, it's like, yeah, like I won the race and you're like, well done, Brandon, you know, like, yeah. awesome. but when you got third and you weren't happy, I've got this, I've got an email this long telling me <laughs> everything that's wrong because Michael's doing sprints and you, I had him doing 10 minutes on this day. So like, I find that there isn't a calm assessment on why we are here, where we are today. Um, which I understand, you know, as an athlete, I, I, I did similar things, but, you know, I was also like 20 years old. So it was very different yeah. Where when you're dealing with, with an adult, you're like, well, if you were at work, do you explode like this at work when there's a problem or do you sit down and analyze what's going on and then going forward? So, so that's, that's kind of my, uh, my like biggest gripe, um, if you want to call it that in, in terms of, of coaching like amateurs and age groupers. Well, it's actually a really great insight because now I think of, I have about three doctors that are, they're super professional and it's like, yeah. this, this is what happened. This is how I'm responding. Here's me going forward. Da, 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 da. And then there are some younger athletes or just people that have different personalities that will, you know, especially say they're in week three, like they're finally mm -hmm. binding the fact of like, okay, you need to push the envelope. If you really want to get faster, these are going to be a couple 
hard weeks of training. They get through it. They crush it. And then it's like a Tuesday and they're like, I suck. I'm I'm like, dude, whoa, whoa, step back. You just hit a PR last week. So that's clearly not so. And just working it backwards. And uh, my first coach years ago always said, Hey man, doing the workouts is important, but don't forget to take a step back and see the forest from the trees. Like look at the big picture. And that was him telling me that was such an amazing, just helpful insight to relate to myself, to relate to athletes. It's one reason why I still have a coach is some, I mean, we're all in there. Yeah. We're all like banging out these workouts and it's like, okay, help me see what I'm not seeing. Cause I feel I'm having a crappy day. And sometimes it's just a crappy day. Yeah, uh, that's it. And like, it, you know, like I, I sound like I came across cross there, but like, I'm not, it's just more like, you know, I'll, I'll take all the time and I'll sit and I'll explain to them, you know, like it's actually good. There's nothing wrong. Or like, if there is something wrong, you go, okay, well, this is wrong and you assess it. But you know, they, what I find is that that overreaction is, is really extreme on, on how they mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm useless, you know, and you just like, it's impossible. It, it's physically impossible. Just calm down and let's have a think here. And that is interesting too, when you make, it's the point of like, it's either they have the internalized I'm useless or the external, this plan sucks. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's it. Okay. It, you, yeah. you crushed it last week. So I don't know. It might yeah. not suck. <laughs> might just, yeah. that's it. That, that's a really good segue. You had made an awesome quote that I think um, was in the other, I can't remember who the podcast host was, but you were talking about an athlete comes in, he's feeling bad on like a race day. You can't change that. But what you can do is take, where he's at and say, well, we're going to have a good mental day. Um, maybe it's not gonna be a physical one, but like your mindset matters. How yep. important do you see mindset and Watts? And like, they obviously go together. Um, how important is mindset in a sport like cycling or even from your history of motocross? Where does that yeah. play in? Like it, it's something I, I, I really do believe in, um, you know, like back in, back in South Africa or back home and that day, my, my reputation is, is a like hard in the flip up coach or, or people leave, you know, it's, which isn't entirely true, but it's, you know, it's, it's that age old thing is that in, in any endurance sport, if, if you can suffer longer, you'll go better than the, the guy that doesn't, you know? So it's not always about pushing the best numbers or having the, the strongest FTP or peak power. It's like, you know, and, and, and I only rode like cat one and stuff back in South Africa when I did, but like, I wasn't the best, but I knew that if I suffered to that lamppost on the climb and the other guy didn't, I'd get to the top first, like yes. essentially. And, you know, and, and, and that was it. And you also got a box clever. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's like, you know, if, if you go in to anything scared, you've already lost. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you've got to have confidence in yourself. And, and if you don't have that confidence, whether that confidence is only good enough for 10th or 20th, that's fine. You know, but rather go in 100% confidence and come 20th or 10th, than go in second guessing yourself, your ability, everything and get 12th. To mm-hmm. me, that's like, that's a failure that, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and people can say what they want, but it's like... You, the reason you race and stuff is because you enjoy the suffering. That's, that's what it is. Like whether you've admitted it or acknowledged it, but, but that is why people enjoy it. It's that adrenaline rush and, and you, you take away the suffering and, and you've 
taken away like a lot of enjoyment as, as weird as that sounds like whether you whether you know that or not but but like people love suffering and you feel alive when you suffer so kind of a, like a, embrace that and, and you can actually go better but it's more about confidence it's like you need to go in confident if you don't go in confident don't go that's that's my theory I think it's huge for people to hear someone in your shoes say that it's not always this. Everyone's obsessed with the watts per kg chart. What's my peak number? And we're about to post one with Robin Carpenter, who's like, yeah, yeah. My, my big numbers, they're not crazy. It's just I can do them later in a race and I'm crafty and like I use my brain 100%. a lot. And so you have these athletes that's like, okay, I hit 300 watts. I hit 300 watts. I was at 298, so I sucked. So I stopped and went home. And I'm like, no, like you did yeah, those correct. first two to get to the third one. And like, it, yeah, yeah, and they just it. hate that aspect of I'm not crushing it. I'm, I'm over. And yeah. there, it, it, I get it that we're just in this metric, hyper-focused area of cycling right now. What's my FTP? What's my VO tech? Da, 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 and like those non they're not sexy measurable numbers and measuring your repeatability is incredibly hard to do but it's like those are the sessions where you're really making changes in your body that's going to replicate what it's like in a bike race i don't know a bike yeah, race sure. where you do this one-off five-minute effort and go home whereas yeah, you go ride right, yeah. and put two thousand three thousand four thousand kjs and you're yeah. like and then try and go hard so that's awesome do you see do pros lack you know you had mentioned they, they'll they will ask questions about their training if they don't understand like is their mindset different or do they ever come in and be like dude i don't feel prepared for this or are they you know they're human after all how do they does that change i mean the confidence level or maybe it's like world championships and it's a huge race or a tour and that's when it changes do you see them and you're like wow this guy's actually human yeah very much and that's what people don't understand also like you know it, it's kind of a it's a really good question because I, I try to explain it all the time like people say to me like oh what's it like being around you know so and so rider or like you know what's it like being around this guy and you just like he's a normal oh he just rides a bike really fast <laughs> you know like nothing else like <laughs> nothing else is different like he plays playstation on the camp <laughs> or like he goes hiking you know yeah. it's like he like you know there's no he's just a really fast good bike rider like there's nothing different when you get to know them like sure some are grumpy some are funny some are not but it's like that they are no different so their personalities when you say like do they go to a race and some of them you know aren't confident like yeah some do 100 percent, but it's their job so Right. they go anyway they, they have to go you know it's mm -hmm. like do you not go to work on monday because you're not really confident for a, to hand in a piece of paper or to sit in a meeting it's exactly the same thing it's um you know so you know if their form isn't exactly where it's meant to be and they got a really big race or a hard race coming up they like oh, this is gonna hurt you know so mm -hmm. like there's not a massive uh 100 confidence factor but again um you know it's their job and my job and the team's job or whoever it is for them to be a hundred percent at certain races. So you, you make sure of it. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's no different. They, they really are normal human beings and, and people kind of forget that a lot. And, and I'll be admitted, like I was one of the first people to, to do that as well, but they, they're just normal people. Yeah. 
That's what do you see as, you know, there are some athletes that they're training and especially if you look at like this, you know, the executives, CEOs, whatever, they're training simply for this event and they're not really interested in the process of training. Do you see more pros? Are they more interested in the process of training because cycling's kind of been their whole life or is that same thing? Half are in it to just win this bike race and the other half are in it too. They just love riding a bike and that's why they ride 20 hours a week. Um, they, they definitely all love riding their bike. There's absolutely no doubt on that. Um, in terms of how engaged they are in their training, you know, some, you just give them what they mean to do Monday to Sunday and they'll go bash it out. Like, you know, they may ask a little bit of a question here and there, but theoretically they, they'll just go do their thing and it's great and you'll get the good feedback. And then there are others where they'll say to you like, Hey, I'm doing this today or Hey, I see we're doing this over the next period. Why are we doing this? You know? So it's a little bit of, of a twofold. Um, I've got some that are, are super engaging and then I've got some which just go, go do whatever I tell them to do. So mm-hmm. a little bit of, of both. And, and you get that in amateurs as well. So, you know, you have guys that are, are super, super invested in, in what they do. And then the others that just go bang out the sessions and are happy to go to trust kind of aren't really interested, you know, mm-hmm. and they give yeah. you feedback on that session. With these guys riding so much and, and share only however much you feel like sharing, is it what, are they only going hard that if they're, just before races are starting um, or maybe even comment on when it is during race season, they're racing two times a week or every other weekend or whatever it might be. Are they only going hard a couple times during the week and the rest is just riding the endurance, low tempo base miles or how do they, and maybe it's just too varied based on the athlete. What's, is there any like general thing for Um, someone riding 25 hours a week? Yeah, so like if we take a, a, a team that goes to a classics campaign for four weeks, as, sure. as an example, they may race uh, minimum two, maybe three classics a week or every second week, you know, two and three, two and three or, or however it is. But mm-hmm. say they're away for four weeks. Typically, all their work is done by the time they go to that classics campaign. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do during the classics is obviously race they'll recover they'll do recons etc but depending on where they spaced out so if they you know if you race uh, a wednesday and you race a, a sunday you know so mm-hmm. if you do gent bevelgem and then you do roubaix you know you'll typically have like a recovery day after after the race um then you'll go probably recon some of the some of the, the, the sectors at uh, Roubaix, just as an example. And then in between that, you know, depending on how they feel, they may do some efforts on one of the days and they'll probably do like another five-hour day somewhere in between that. Okay. Or the, the recon day doing, you know, four, four or five sectors, maybe five hours. So, yeah, they, so it, it really just de- depends where and how, but it'll be like typical training, put it that way going mm-hmm. forward just just depending on on what they're doing okay that's cool. kind of like train train race recover train race recover yeah and then does that change before they head out so if they have like a four week period or eight weeks when they're not racing is that more structured uh every day or is it still some like hey just go ride get these hours and at some point no, it, it'll up- be structured yeah okay. it'll be structured and monitored and and everything like that cool 
What do you think that is a small thing that might have a big impact in amateurs that you see? Um, you know, one thing that I always see is somebody comes to me and they're, we're talking about their training. I'm like, Hey, have you ever looked at your endurance rides? They're like, yeah, they're so easy. I'm like, well, you're coasting 40% of the time. That's like my big, like little yeah. thing. Do you see anything that come up that you're like, dude, just change this and you'll probably see a bigger change down the road. Um, rest. Ah, okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me more. Um, the only time you adapt to, to any training load is when you rest, you know? So a, a, an example I use is if you hit your head against a wall, like essentially it's going to cut open and bleed. <laughs> so like that, that's like a training block you've done. So your body's now bleeding. The only time it, it heals or it's like has a scab is if you stop hitting your head. So if you stop hitting your head, essentially you're resting or recovering and then your body heals and then you have like a scar or big scar tissue. And that essentially is your body going, I can't afford for this to happen again. So mm -hmm. if it does, I need to be stronger. So that's when your body, when you train and essentially you're doing this training, you recover and your body comes back stronger because it goes, I'm going to have this stress over here again. I need to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But, but people typically amateurs and stuff and even pro athletes in general actually is they still on the vibe is that more is better and rest is evil. But the only time you ever rest, ever recover or adapt to a training or a racing load and come back strong is if you rest. Um, and that's, yeah, it's amazing. And it's like when you fight with people and then they do rest and they come back and they're like, oh, man, like I'm a Hulk. Yeah. And you're like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm so good. The training's been good. I'm like, no, because you had like four easy days. Like yeah. you had a rest. It's uh but yeah, that, that's that that's my my uh, biggest thing is is rest. Eh? When you look at what people do, is it's always more more is better, and it's it's actually the opposite. Like when they have a bad race, they'll train harder the next week, you know, and then they'll have another one because they're just further fatigued or further overreached, and then they'll have an even another one. Like I remember in the motocross days was where I learned it, and another guy back in South Africa, I'm close with. We joke about it all the time. Is after a national, someone goes really bad and Monday, they just big on the grind again. Or like, you know, they race Sunday, had a bad race Sunday, on, like had a crit. Tuesday, they already like simulating another crit. And you just like, again, like go backwards, you know, like just see why. And often rest is is better than more. And, and that's that's my my one my, my like kind of holy grail on go-to stuff for, for amateurs is is actually the worst you go rest and it'll turn around i'm gonna have to like put a disclaimer that i'm not paying you to say that because i have people that are like dude <laughs> yeah they, oh man <laughs> the the comment that i get from a lot of people is man you make me go when you say go hard we go way harder than i've ever gone in a training session but then you make yeah, me rest right. way too much and i was like that's the that's the key right there that's like, spot on though that's go gold yeah. And, and it's, I, I, it was my first coach, Jason Hillemar. I keep giving him shout outs, but he was, um, he worked with Frank Overton and fast cat in Boulder, Colorado, mm. and really helped me understand like pushing the envelope and recovering. And he would, you know, I'd have days when I'd say, Hey man, like my ego was like, you know, I, I've only done cat one stuff in the U S and so I'd be like, Hey, there's this local training race. I'm going to, can I go do that? And he's like, well, do you want to win the training race or do you want to win on the weekend? Like you really need to do this yeah. session and then you need to rest and come. And then I'd yeah. 
do well in the race. I'm like, dude, thank you for telling me not to go do that. Cause I needed, yeah. you know, it's, so it's, yeah, it's, it's very funny. I think that the rest is just, you know, you get, but coach, my CTL is going down. <laughs> it's not going to go up when you're resting, but that's not like, yeah, but, just that but, metric. <laughs> like, but that's also like a metric. It, it kills me to death. You know, yes. like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's an important variable, but it's not the Holy grail yes. because typically like, you get to a point where if this is CTL and, and this is, is, is TSP, you do this. Like, I mean, it just, you drop off the face of the earth and like, it, it's just like, you know, you are, oh, you have to be at like 120 to do this race. You're like, no, but like, yeah. not for like an average nine to fiver. Like if yeah. you're at 120, you're close to probably anemia or your threshold values are wrong or like, I don't know what you've done, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, like that, that's and just because your CTL goes down, like almost amen that it actually does go down, that it means that your fitness is actually going up. Like mm -hmm. if you have balanced training right, your CTL goes down during a taper, but your form is going up. Like you adapting to to a training load. Like you kind of like you've plugged into the electricity socket and you're absorbing an energy. It's like, it's not the other way around. It's like, and that's what people, um, you know, it just, it grinds me. It's, it's a co topic that really kind of gets to me. <laughs> I can tell you're passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, and, and also like, because it's, you know, and we use training peaks. So like phenomenal tool. I use WKO5, I, I use all their stuff. But again, it's data driven. So what you give it is how it reacts. It doesn't yes. tell you from an external component how you are on that day. Like it could mm -hmm. give you a plus five TSB, 90 CTL, which theoretically could be a peak for you. And you can't even accelerate away from the robot at the traffic lights because you so cooked from exactly. your kids running around, your wife running off with a pool guy, blah, blah, blah. And there's all that external stresses. So unless you monitor and track external stress factors and variables like you might as well not even look at a pmc chart mm -hmm. you know it's like you need the two to correlate and yeah it, know, it's, it's like my numbers say i'm good but i slept three hours last night it's like dude come okay come on that's common sense you're exhausted go to bed stop trying to do this vo2 max workout you know it's like yeah it's just uh like important not the holy grail you know like yeah, it's it, it, there's a lot more to it than, than just having a high CTL. Awesome. What's from a nutrition standpoint, anything that's interesting that you've come across, maybe even in working with your one business or with the UAE guys, it seems like the evolution, you know, we're constantly learning new things. Initially it was, you can absorb yeah. 60 grams of carbs. Now it's 90. Now it might be 120. Da, 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 da. Um, what do you see some, maybe there's like old school, like, people doing old school stuff or anything that you come across that's interesting that people might just find interesting from the UAE side of things or even from your other business? Um, yeah, if just as a general rule, if you've gone from, which is typically 60, maybe 70 grams of what people used to take or normally take to 120, you'll need to take a packet between your legs because your stomach will, will really go, <laughs> go to hell. Like you need to kind of train your gut for that. But uh, yeah, typically you're looking at like 80 to 100 grams for w would be correct intake of carbs. Um, and something that from, obviously it, it is implemented on the team, but also what we had been doing for athletes um, 
back home, if you want to call it, like our normal athletes, even though we do have elites and pros there, is to periodize your nutrition according to your training program. So it's not always the easiest thing. Often you, you, you do need a, a pretty sharp nutritionist or you need to be a little bit up to date on, on what you do. But, you know, you can't, as an example, eat X amount for the same sessions, same period of the year, same race days, etc. So that, that's one thing that, uh, like in terms of what you eat, has pretty much stayed the same. You know, like you, you're eating rice, you're eating chicken, fish, meat, etc. However, to, to periodize your, your nutritional intake um, is, is now what is key. And obviously having sort of 80 to 100 grams of carbs per hour, if, uh, if you can kind of train yourself up to that. And, and that's a, a very sustainable nu nutritional model, if you want to say that. Awesome. Are there any interesting like pre-race routines that you've seen that you don't name them by name, but that is just very unique or something different? Um, yeah. So guy, like if you, if you take kind of really random things, uh, there's a guy that, that always puts his one sock on like, so he'll go left sock, right sock, but he'll go right shoe, left shoe just for, <laughs> it, it, it kills me watching him yeah. do it. Like for me, I'm just like, I've got to walk away. Um, and then there's like, you know, on like good days or like motivating days, it's the same songs and stuff, but it's not like, um, you know, guys aren't doing handstands and, and, and radical things like that, but it's mm -hmm. just, um, yeah, like uh, if you win with a certain pair of shoes, like, you know, guys often have kind of a few pairs of shoes. So if they win okay. on a certain pair of shoes, they'll keep wearing that shoe if it's during a tour or if they can and, and stuff like that. So nothing nothing really radical um but yeah just kind of some one or two small quirks so that's interesting so they would they would it be the same model of shoe or are they changing between models of shoes because of a sponsor or i've always wondered that like they're getting so much new stuff all the time sometimes it's like you like something that's broken in do that are they do you just get used to that you think um, yeah, so like, you know, in terms of changing like shoes, so say they sponsored by uh, the city, uh, mm -hmm. as an example is, you know, you may get your, your normal city, and then you may get a city with regards to, um, you know, like, like an aero or a light one, you know, on a very hot day. So they may change in between that. Okay. But in terms of, um, you know, majority of them all have shoe sponsors. So it's not like they're going to wear city today and then mm -hmm. they ride DMT tomorrow and spares mm -hmm. the following day. So they may just change that model of shoe um, from like maybe a summer or winter or color shoe, whatever. But, um, you know, cleats will always be the same as an example. And, and the shoe will always be the same. If they have custom soles, it'll always be the same custom sole, et cetera, in their shoes. Okay. What's... Um... What do you think are some soft skills that you've seen your athletes or the UAE guys try to work on or hone that's brought them success in a race? So not necessarily Watts or the actual physical stuff. Um, we've kind of talked about mindset and maybe it's things like meditation or something that's really like an athlete could look at another way to approach their training and racing besides just the power that they put out. Um, yeah, going back to that mental side, that it is important. You know, some some riders do work with uh, like sports psychologists. Um, mm. Some don't. Some mm. some kind of do meditate and just kind of really stay calm and just focus on the job at hand. 
Um, so I wouldn't say there's like a new or a, a, a holy grail of, of something that, that's working. It's more just, you know, like a, a lot of them at the end of the day are very confident in their ability. So nine, eight out of 10 of them are, are fine to rock up at the race, do their training, make sure everything is good, strength, conditioning, rehabilitation, then nutrition, et cetera, and go race their bikes. Um, where some kind of, you know, do do have a few, I would say quirks or, or a little bit of an insecurity and, and they do work on that in terms of, uh, you know, some mental homework or with a sports psychologist or, or even a sporting director or, or even with me as a coach, we, we may go over some certain stuff and, and just kind of uh, pep talk it, if you want mm -hmm. to say that. Mm -hmm. How important when they're all, and I mean, I guess this kind of applies to cat one twos where, you know, I've, made a comment before that like a cat five race is really a fitness contest. Somebody usually rides away with cat one twos. Everyone's much closer pros, probably even much closer. How important is that homework piece to these races of knowing the turns, knowing, you know, there's this incline and then we turn and da, 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 da. Um, do you see, is that much more involved at the UAE level versus what you see with amateurs doing? Yeah. Significant. Significantly. Yeah, almost to like where you see football players watching film and tape and just going yeah. as deep as possible. Yeah, hundred. So like for that, you know, as a on on a on an important tour stage, as an example, um, if if we haven't reconned that, you know, you've you've done like you've done all the homework on it. You know, mm -hmm. so you'll know that at this kilometer on the climb, there's A, B, or C, or you know, there's um, this section where there could be a very strong crosswind. Um, it, yeah, like a look at every team does it, but, but I just can't go into significant detail in terms yeah, yeah. of what we do. But sure. but yeah, those those stages are known straight up. Simply. No, I'm, I'm definitely I'm trying to be delicate without being that guy that's like telling yeah. me secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Like as I said, every team does it, so it's not like we are any special. Right, right. Yeah. But in saying that, um, the riders and sporting directors will have full knowledge of, of everything, of, of what's going on. Got it. That, yeah, yeah. I got two last questions for you, and I'll let you go. I really yeah. appreciate you doing this. What's, is there anything that you've seen, kind of we've touched on nutrition, anything that's evolving with cycling that you have to adapt to as a coach, and whether it is like all of a sudden more people are getting WKO5 and now you're, you know, kind of got to help people understand what they need to understand or nutrition is kind of changing or is there anything that you see sort of getting more involved in the sport if I'm making sense with that question um yeah like you know from my side I I I try to keep basics you know like so you know just as you said with WKO5 you can get so lost in translation in terms of their of their graphs and stuff um you know my my landing page is is six graphs only like mm -hmm. very 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 basic graphs and then in terms of the analysis and that i do have some external software but again i, I really only analyze off like probably three four graphs mm -hmm. you know so from that side my what, what i like to do or, or what i try and do is is stay up to date with science personally mm -hmm. uh, you know like like if you know, whether it's physiology in terms of going from 60 to 100 grams of carbs to 120, which is now being introduced, you know, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, are we up to date with it? Um, is it good? Is there, 
you know, like, is it validated? Can we use this? If we can't, then no. So for my side, I, I really try to stay up to date in terms of, um, of, of, of updated science. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's pretty much it in terms of physiology, if you want to call it that. Um, and what my training sessions then are sort of based around is, is, you know, possibly enhancing that energy system better than the sessions I had before, you know, like if, four by eight is better than three by 10, I'll rather implement four by eight, you mm -hmm. know, just uh, as a training session, stuff like that. So that, that, that's where I try, I, I try to find out the latest stuff from the nutrition guy. I try to find out the latest physiology from our doctors and our sports physiologists and stuff. And then I, I try kind of absorb all of that and, and take, take it all and then extract a little bit of the, what I think is good. And I, then I apply that to, to my trade and, and that's, and, and that's how I do it. That's awesome because when you said, why would we use this? Like there's so much that you can get lost. And I'm thinking now what yep. it, I just have on the dashboard, one thing just says favorites and like it has my basic bullet points. And I think applicable that people can hear like, why are you doing this in your training? And then also the basic thing for a lot of people in a race, it's like, why, what movie, why are you pedaling? Why are you expending energy? Why are you doing something in a race? Know what you're doing, be forward thinking. I think that's a good tip for people that they can apply to their training and racing. Um, yeah. What's, so then I guess if you had my last question be like, if you were, if you had to teach a class on like being a better cyclist, what pops into your mind? Maybe, you know, we've talked about rest, maybe not only what should people do, what are people missing? Um, sort of as a parting words for all of us that are listening that they can take away. Um, learn to go as fast as you can for the least amount of effort. That's, that's what cycling is. Simple as that. If, if you can go as faster than someone for the least amount of, for, for less effort, you're going to go faster for longer and you'll win like that whether as i said whether winning is coming 10th or 30th it doesn't matter mm -hmm. but but that's really what it is and the other thing that i always try to tell people which once they do accept that and and they understand it is that cycling is like putting in cycling is about a whole lot of work for a very little reward mm -hmm. um over a very long time you know so someone who, who i i really really look up to as as a phenomenal doctor and, and physiologist and stuff and he had said to me that it takes three years for some on a proper training program for someone to hit sort of like a physiological peak and and he had said that you know after three years you'll you'll win a race and and literally on the day uh, that 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 happened and and i'd sort of kept on it was something that really stayed with me and you always have people and, and I've implemented that and, and it's, it's come to fruition with, with many athletes. And, but people always want now, like, you know, like in today's terms, like I, you know, here we logged on Zoom, boom, you were here, you know, before I'd send you a letter, you know, and it would mm -hmm. take a week. So the expectation is different, but cycling is really so much work for a such a little reward. Um, you know, and people go, you know, oh, like my threshold's four, what's a kilo? Oh, I want to be five in six months. And you just like, I'm not Harry Potter, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, like you, you start looking for like 2% and you like a year is what you start looking at, or maybe 3% a year, or like in some radical cases, 5%, but you know, 5% is 300 or 315 for 20 minutes. Like that's a whole mm. new world 
of horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rent, nine, 15 watts. So, you know, that's, that, that, I just try to tell people like, you know, trust if you're working with a coach or whatever, or if you've downloaded a program, just trust it, but understand that it's a lot of work for, for a little amount of, of reward. And once you've accepted that and you enjoy it, you'll actually progress quicker. That's it. It's, it, oh man, it's huge for, for you to say that. That's like my, that's like the outtake clip because uh, there's a guy in the US, the podcast Fast Labs, Trevor Connor is one of the coaches there. And I reach out to people that are just farther down the lot than farther down the line than I am um, in coaching and everything sort of as mentors. And I've been talking to him for a while and he's like, listen, Brendan, like I tell athletes straight up, give me two years. Like if you're into this, yeah, I need two years. A lot of this is a year getting rid of the BS stuff. And then we can start building on what you've got. And then we got to go yeah. farther than that. And it, it is, you know, it's tough for people to understand that in this, you said it in the now economy, a guy it's said not. to me, I want to re I want to win a race like you want to race. And I said, Hey man, just go on Strava and see how many miles I've ridden in a lifetime versus how many you've ridden. And he's yeah. like, damn, you've ridden 130,000 miles. I'm like, dude. And I started where you were and I, yeah. you know, you just learn and learn and don't forget half of this is Watts half is understanding bike racing. Like it's not just who yeah. can pedal the hardest. So yeah, man, true, this was, true, true. Th this was really awesome, John. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and do this. And no. uh, hopefully, so you're in Abu Dhabi now. Where do you guys head next? Uh, we're in, we're in uh, Al Ain, A-L-A-I-N, okay, um, yeah. which is basically like it's 150 Ks in the, in like to the left of, of Abu Dhabi uh, at the bottom of, we're actually very close to the um, Jebel Hafid climb that they do in UAE tour. Okay. Um, so from here, uh, we leave uh, Thursday, if I'm correct, the, the 22nd. Um, some guys go to an altitude camp, like a group of sort of eight guys go altitude camp. And then um, some other guys, literally, we, we start racing. They kind of go home, shave their legs and, and head off to races. So it's, uh, it, it's kind of all systems go at the moment. Our, our first races are uh, like we have Valenciana, we have Algarve. Provence um yeah really like uh, I must say like I'm I'm excited for the year like last year was good um although we we did 12 months in three months it was a bit rough <laughs> when it, yeah it was uh, I, like I was away in, in 90 days um I was home for 10 days and it wasn't at one given time like uh you know but again you know we, we were told that you know, like the, the team was amazing when we, everyone was in lockdown and they just said, Hey guys, you know, when we go racing, just prepare to go racing. So yeah, for me, it, it was, or for everyone, it was tough, but the, the, during lockdown, our, our team management and that really, and, and I'm not just blowing horns here, we're, we're phenomenally good to us as staff and riders. And for me, it was, it wasn't an argument what, yeah. what I was going to go do. It was like, okay, cool. Pack your bags and go. So, yeah. so now it's, it's, it's a lot better. It's spread out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Uh, my, my calendar essentially is built around the Tour de France. I sort of follow that uh, group and, uh, of riders in that and then accumulates at the tour and then, um, but yeah, I'm, I, I must, I'm, I'm excited to get going. Eh? That's like, cool. I, I, you I really love bike racing. You still look super fit, so they still let you ride a bike <laughs> some days, it looks like. Yeah, they do, but I, I go ride with, with Alan Piper, and uh, he smashes me, man. Like, he <laughs> left me for dead on Jebel Hafid, 
and like like at the beginning i was like dropping him and i was like yo man like i'm gonna show you what's going on and then like he just came past me about and i was like come on no he's he's phenomenal that guy like he's just he's like 100 years old and he's just got the energy of an energizer bunny that's incredible and i forgot to ask you i should i'll post this yeah. earlier on what's the website for your other the amateur company if people want to go online oh, um www and then science uh two being to sport.com um i can i'll whatsapp at you but science to sport.com cool dude yeah. thanks so much man this was awesome pleasure sorry about my my lighting here but yeah all good it's all good <laughs> okay. have a good rest of the day likewise cheers See buddy. You later. Go bye bye